One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. And welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's five, and Kenny, he's two. I have three kids. Tony is 11 and Libby and Nate are eight. And they're so adorable, right? They are generally so adorable. So this week, I have a quick story about how awesome my nephew is. You know, we like to get the momming right out of the way. Um, We had a Zoom with my brother's family and... My nephew, Sam, took the phone and he said, I'm going to give you a tour of my fort. And he said, it's the best fort in the whole university. (laughs) I bet it is, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It was so so cute. He's four. (laughs) So we live in Florida on the Atlantic coast, but we don't live near the beach. And we never go to the beach because I'm not a fan of parking. And recently there have been concerns about crowding. So it's just not something that we choose to do on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I didn't think Kenny had been to the beach in his life. Oh, wow. So I just drove him there on Tuesday for funsies. And we walked out to the water and looked at it for a little bit. And within five minutes, he just turned around. He's like, okay, I'm done. Oh, funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad that we ripped the Band-Aid off. I look forward to taking him again, but I'll definitely bring like sand toys or something next time because he was not into just standing there appreciating the majesty of the ocean. It's a good thing it was a quick drive and not like a plane ride. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, it was like a 25 minute drive. It was not bad. So in screen time in the news this week, we have a bummer of an article. <laughs> it's titled children's screen time has soared in the pandemic, alarming parents and researchers. It's a New York times article by Matt Richtel from January 16th, a little bit old, but very on topic. Why did you pick it, Katie? <laughs> um, because I'm always interested in how the media is trying to make us feel bad about literally everything. So I thought if we finally come to terms with giving our kids more screen time during the pandemic, we certainly need a reason to freak out about what's going to happen once the pandemic is over, right? Yeah. I mean, so, we can't just be okay with it for a minute. Right. So... There's the headline and then there's the little sub headline and it's a quotation from an expert that says, there will be a period of epic withdrawal. (laughs) (laughs) And it has a quote from a pediatrician who studies children's use of mobile technology 
who said she did countless media interviews early in the pandemic, telling parents not to feel guilty about allowing more screen time given the stark challenges of lockdowns. Now, she said, she'd have given different advice if she had known how long children would end up stuck at home. Thanks a lot, Jenny Radeski, <laughs> MD. <laughs> The advice we definitely need right now is you've been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> um, so, and it's, it interviewed some families and the parents were like, well, this is where my kid gets all of their entertainment. This is where they go for school. This is where they connect with their friends. This is where they do after school stuff. So it's, this is a tough one. And they also cited a study that suggests that heavy use of certain video games may cause brain changes linked to addictive behaviors. Just like, thanks a lot. That was not really even something that I was worried about, but now I am. But don't you think that's a possibility with any oft-repeated activity? Like, do something you find pleasant often enough and it becomes an addiction, right? Yeah, anything that gives you that dopamine hit. I mean, like likes on Instagram or running, <laughs> eating candy. Yeah. <laughs> I did try the abstract for that article was on PubMed, but it didn't say which video games. But if we want to do a deeper dive into this topic, there's tons of articles on internet gaming disorder. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll link to this article on our social media. And if you want to feel bad about how you've been living for the past 11 months, you should read it. Really? Really? Jeez. It didn't give any, it didn't really give any solutions either or suggestions for how to wean off the screens I feel like that has been like a media trend since you know 2021 happened we know the vaccines are on the horizon like people might be feeling a little bit of hope but I feel mm -hmm. like all media has been oh no don't don't feel hopeful <laughs> don't yeah. don't take your foot off the panic gas yet <laughs> remember the variants yeah <laughs> and also that epic withdrawal. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. Well, on to happier things. This is our 101st episode, but it's officially the episode where we are celebrating our 100th episode. Woohoo! Hooray for us. Hooray for us, indeed. Deborah, when we started this podcast, like, Four years ago, did you ever think we would make it to 100 episodes? I am not a five-year plan type person, so <laughs> I didn't put a lot of thought into it, honestly. <laughs> Same. I was like, well, we're going to do this. <laughs> Has making the show changed your thoughts on screen time? I think it's totally changed mine a lot. Yes, and it makes me... This is not great. It makes me increasingly frustrated by what my kids want to watch because I know that there's better content oh. than the stuff they're picking for themselves. 
do you think is there like another adult whose opinion they listen to and respect could you like sneakily feed show recommendations to this other adult so then your children could be getting them from someone other than you that's a good suggestion we're also like just messing with searching on netflix so the stuff i want them to see pops up first maybe oh good idea yeah yeah making the algorithm work for me i like it how has our podcast changed your thoughts on screen time ever since we started picking up on the literature about engagement with your kids regarding screen time as opposed to setting strict time limits Mm-hmm. It's been super liberating to me. Like now that I think of it as an activity that we do together more than something I have to be like constantly worried about, I think it's been a little bit helpful in removing my mom guilt. Mm-hmm. And it's good to know that like we've done the work of finding the good content. Not that my kids don't still sometimes watch crappy content. It happens. But they're young enough where you can pretty much determine what they watch yeah thank goodness thank goodness you are not so lucky anymore (laughs) um speaking of content do you think the show has changed how you define good content yeah even when I'm watching grown-up shows I think I watch differently and I pay more attention I mean this is when I'm watching a show for the podcast I know I'm going to think about all the things that we talk about like animation music casting so I think I'm always going through that in my head now when I'm watching anything I think too it helps to remind myself that as long as I have some hook into it I can become engaged at least on some level so that helps Mm -hmm. especially with the content for much younger viewers like we struggle with it with preschool shows and they're not ever as entertaining for grown-ups as shows for older kids but it's nice to know that if you look you can always find something with most Mm -hmm. shows I think yeah totally so when we first started we actively tried to review terrible looking shows hello Nutraventures in an attempt to poke fun at the garbage that was being created for kids and now there's just so much new content being created that we rarely have a chance to pick something we know will hit all of our rage buttons and instead shows hit our rage buttons accidentally I'm looking at you Sam from Secret Society of Secondborn Royals do you miss watching the real stinkers on purpose well I think it's always more fun to talk smack about something than it is to talk about how much you like something Uh uh-huh which is something I found it's like a book club rule like the discussion is always way more animated when the book is bad mm-hmm. as long as everybody's read it right then if you read a good book there's not as much to talk about if you everybody liked it but I do appreciate good content and I'd rather spend my time watching good kids shows than <laughs> watching bad kids shows I know if we have to like invest several hours in preparation for the podcast I guess on the whole it's better that it's good well and I think it's better for listeners yeah 
because it's easy for us to say the show is trash don't watch it you don't necessarily need to listen to us talk about it for an hour right (laughs) so do you think just the sheer more of it has made you any more or less discriminating in what your kids watch I think I'm definitely more discerning when it's my turn to choose what we watch on family movie night Mm -hmm. I try to recommend stuff for my kids but I think it's like pandemic stay at home fatigue but they don't really care what I think about what they're watching yeah how about you? I mean, they are definitely not Kenny so much, but you know, he just does what his older brother does. Like Jay is aging into having his own opinions about things. So mm-hmm. it's becoming more of a push and pull as far as what he will allow me to recommend that he watch. But I just try to cycle back up the things that I know that I like often enough that eventually he'll say yes again. Like we recently mm-hmm. went through a little number blocks thing and I was thrilled to revisit number blocks because you know how much I loved it. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I'm more motivated to try and feed them their screen time vegetables. And I definitely feel less of a sense of despair. Like, oh, they're just watching crap. Mm-hmm. So in honor of our 100th episode, we are introducing a new segment and we're super excited about it. Uh, The new segment is called Lightning Round, and it's going to help us handle more of the new content as it comes out, because as happy as we are to have it, it can be a little overwhelming. And sometimes our watch list just gets so long with things that we want to review for the show. By the time we get to it, it's old, um, or we just, yeah, we feel a little overwhelmed by content. So we'll do a lightning round episode whenever we feel like things are getting out of control and we need some time to review things more quickly. And it'll just be Deborah and I kind of ping-ponging back and forth between the two of us giving some shorter takes on new shows we've been watching. So Deborah, would you like to start us off with your review of Hero Elementary? This has been on our watch list or my watch list for a long time because it was it's a local show sort of for me. It's produced um, in part by Twin Cities Public Television and it's it, it you can watch it anywhere on PBS Kids. And just because it's local made me want to watch it and it came out in 2020, so it's still pretty new. So Hero Elementary centers around a group of kids called the Sparks Crew. And they learn about superpowers from their teacher, Mr. Sparks, and they work as a team to solve problems. Mr. Sparks, the teacher, speaks a little bit of Spanish, so that's kind of interspersed in the dialogue as well. The music is super awesome. It's like James Bond, Goldfinger type (laughs) soundtrack, and also like Looney Tunes style music to accompany the movement. And the kids have science superpowers And there are a lot of science facts integrated into the show. I mean, that's the point. It's like an educational show. And the animation, while not spectacular, is adequate, I feel. And so overall, I would give Hero Elementary three and a half stars. Enjoyable, good for you, a little bit generic. All right, so here's my big question about it. 
it would seem like superheroes who have like magical powers would be an odd fit with a science show. So how does that balance work, I guess? That's a good question. I feel like the superpowers are a little bit about physics. Okay. And, but I haven't, honestly, I haven't probably watched enough episodes to answer that question adequately. All right. Well, I'm excited. Anything that like integrates STEM with at least a somewhat interesting plot is always a good option, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although my kids are totally cottoning on to PBS Kids as like the stuff I want them to be watching, which sucks. Oh, no. (laughs) This is great, Mom, but how about Netflix? (laughs) (laughs) My first... I. I realized as I was doing these lightning round notes that I might have more than lightning round sized things to say. So if I start to get out of control and you're like, Katie, I do not need to hear more about this. Just like, um, give me a signal. Okay. 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 (laughs) So the first thing I watched for lightning round was Finding Ohana. It's a Netflix movie that premiered on January 29th of this year, 2021. Uh, It was written by Christina Strain, and it is directed, the first feature film directed by Jude Wang, who's done a bunch of, like, sitcom directing before this. So it's about a New York family that returns to mom's home state of Hawaii when her dad falls ill, and the teen brother Ioane and his sister Peely go on a treasure hunt to find the money to save their grandfather's land, and along the way, they reconnect with each other and their Hawaiian heritage, which I realize makes it sound really treacly and dumb. And it does have its treacly moments, but it gives off serious Goonie vibes. I mentioned it in our last episode. It's a really fun adventure tale. And it gets at my personal funness for Hawaii because that's where I was living when I met my husband. And I feel like it just hits me a little bit harder as a person who chooses to live away from home like themes that themes of like reconnecting with family and reconnecting with the place you're from really kind of get me so this one hit me really hard as a grown-up I wanted to read a little quote that I pulled from the writer from an article in that's it LA so about writing the movie and addressing specifically the Goonies-ness of it all she said I really wanted to write something that was fun and that younger me would have loved to see. And what younger me would have loved to see was essentially the Goonies in Hawaii, full of Asian Americans and Islander kids. Just a bunch of datas running around an island looking for this treasure. That was the real inspiration for this, that I just wanted something fun that I could identify with that, you know, had this existed 20 or 30 years ago, it would have meant the world to me. I love that quote. I love that too. So it gives solid Goonie vibes without the problematic racial, gender, and general cultural issues of the original. It throws in some really sweet stuff about Native Hawaiian culture. And they have historical flashbacks that are done kind of like drunk history style. So you just have the characters like mouthing what the narrator is saying. So that was pretty funny from a grown-up perspective. And I just have to ask, because part of the framing device for the show is that the main character Peely is an avid geocacher. Have you ever geocached with your kids? No, but we camp a lot 
in the summer and that's an activity you can do at a state park. It seems like it would be a fun thing to do with families. I don't know why I thought it was a moment whose time had passed, but maybe it's on the ascendancy again, what with the pandemic and we all need more activities. Yeah, we watched this too. I do question, did Peely really, like is geocaching camp really a thing? Can you spend a whole week geocaching? You mean as the geocaching camp, like the Austin land of (laughs) geocaching fans? It's something we wish existed but doesn't actually exist. I don't know. I don't know. What, like, bizarrely specific camp would you have wanted to go to as a preteen? Oh, my God. I went to orchestra camp. And that was specific enough. You're right. So did I. So I would give Finding Ohana a 4.5 and it only misses out on a 5 because it has it takes a weird turn towards the end and it has a weird kind of paranormal ending that to me cut some of the fun of the piratey adventure story. Sorry if that was too long, but (laughs) no, that was great. That was great. All right. Deborah is going to review On Point for us. Take it away. On Point premiered on Disney Plus in 2020, and it's a six-part docu-series about the School of American Ballet in New York. It follows a group of students from their auditions to get into the school to casting and rehearsals and a performance of The Nutcracker. Much like the creator of Ohana was looking for something that she would have wanted to watch when she was a kid 20 years ago. When I chose On Point, I was looking for something that I would have liked to watch when I was a child, Uh and this is it. (laughs) Um, Part of the fun is that I never took ballet. I was never a dancer, but I always thought it would be fun to be the accompanist in the ballet studio. I thought that would be a really glamorous job. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I love movies like Julia Stiles in Save the Last Dance, Center Stage. So it was like, it really spoke to me before I even watched it. And then there are like beautiful scenes of ballet rehearsals, students dancing. And then there's like what, it's not really presented as dark, but it is kind of the dark side of the ballet industrial complex like there are these middle-aged and older adults who are in the work for the school and they go scout like six-year-olds seven-year-olds and they're like assessing them like they're racehorses or something like look how flexible look at the turnout on her heel oh very flexible feet and they're they can tell if a child who is six or seven can have what it takes to be a professional dancer and they like want to take these kids in when they're really, really young and teach them how to move their body because nothing about ballet is natural. And so you have to learn it from a really young age. So there's that sort of darkness. And then I know as an adult that there's too many children in this school that can be cast in real ballet companies. So it was like sort of an emotional journey to watch this. (laughs) But it was a good watch. I did learn from it too. Like I didn't know the difference between classical ballet and Balanchine ballet. What is the difference between classical ballet and Balanchine ballet? So classical ballet is like very slow and deliberately graceful. Balanchine ballet is like 
also very graceful, but it seems like it's more athletic, more faster moving. Okay. It was good. I'm going to finish it. I watched the first two episodes and part of the third one. I would really recommend it to anybody who loves ballet or read ballet books when they were a kid like me. Like I said, I didn't even take ballet or do any sort of dance, but I'm very intrigued by this world. What if I worry that I cannot handle seeing children have their dreams crushed? Like, is there an element of that? I think there's going to be. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I know. And uh, and just knowing like this sort of environment is, it's really psychologically dangerous because a lot of um, people in that world can develop eating disorders because there's so much focus on like, how your body looks and what it can do and none of it is natural so I don't know I would give it like four stars I think but go into it with open eyes yeah yeah well I'm cautiously excited I don't know I'm also (laughs) kind of terrified all right so I know I spent all this time at the top of the episode talking about how we don't have to watch we don't have to watch and review trash anymore (laughs) and my last lightning round pick is a little bit of a reversal because do you ever, I mean, you, I sure experience this more than I do when your kids discover something without you and like you weren't involved in them picking it and all of a sudden they're super into it and you don't know how it happened. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely what happened with Gabby's Dollhouse, which <laughs> is a series on Netflix produced by DreamWorks. And it has one season of 10 episodes available. It premiered in January of 2021. It has like quite a pedigree. It was created by Tracy Page Johnson, who created Blue's Clues, and mm. Jennifer Toomey, who was a producer on Blue's Clues and a co-creator of Team Umizumi, which is a older show that is very popular. Um, but interestingly enough, and this might give you some foreshadowing for what I'm going to think of it, but they're both co-creators of Creative Galaxy. No. <laughs> Which, listeners, if you don't remember, we reviewed quite some time ago. It was back when Amazon was still trying to dabble in the kids' original programming space, which it's largely given up on. But Creative Galaxy was something that looked promising to us. It had a great team behind it, but we were ultimately really disappointed by it. So, Gabby's Dollhouse, the kids totally discovered with the babysitter and like by the time I discovered its existence it was a juggernaut that I could not stop so listen up Gabby loves cats and in every episode she unboxes a new toy for her cat themed dollhouse and then she puts on a special pair of cat ears to shrink down to doll size with her stuffed cat Pandy to go into the dollhouse and interact with all the cat dolls there so the cats all come to life in the dollhouse So the show starts off live action, like when she's doing the unboxing, and then it becomes an animated show once she shrinks down. And it seems like it could work for me because I love cats. And Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, pretending to be a member of the world of my toys was a really big thing. And I had a very rich pretend life. So I thought I might have a chance at liking this and I don't know if it just put me off 
from the beginning with like Gabby's over the top enthusiasm for the unboxing portion of the episode, but it was an immediate disconnect for me. A little bit because it seems ready-made for tons of toy tie-ins, which makes me inherently suspicious as a parent. So I could have, like, I was optimistic going in, but within the first five minutes, I was like, I feel manipulated. I don't know if I can get behind this. And I can't connect with Gabby because her sole personality trait seems to be that she likes to put cat faces on everything. Every episode has a craft segment, too, which is the piece that gives me most flashbacks to Creative Galaxy. And also, as a parent, it makes me a little mad because why can't craft segments ever just be, here's something you can do with construction paper and crayons? I never have the correct supplies. And I have a pretty well-stocked craft cabinet, but I feel like it's always something totally random that who has this thing lying around? Popsicle sticks. I have popsicle sticks. I have clothespins. You do? I have a variety of different colored pom-poms. Like, I, pipe Oh, cleaners, you're ready. Em. Yeah, <laughs> but there's always some crucial component that I don't have. Lately, it's that I don't have, like, a spare stash of many mason jars. The mason oh, jar thing has totally bled out of adult world into kid world, and now we're expected to be crafting with mason jars with them, too, which I am not on board with. So, okay, Gabby's Dollhouse, I give it. A 2.5, I think it could have gotten there, but there's too much not to like, starting with unboxing, which, you know, I'm just not a fan of. So Jay, are Jay and Kenny, do they still want to watch Gabby's Dollhouse? You know, we've been through all 10 episodes a couple times, so it seems like their enthusiasm is waning, which is good at this point. Like, I'm happy to let that go. I totally thought of you because one of the craft segments involved making your own snow globe, which is pretty much just like putting glitter in a mason jar full of water. Don't do it. We watched this exact craft segment on Creative Galaxy, and you introduced me to your hatred for glitter. And I was like, Deborah would hate this. It is not any different when it has like a cat face on it. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, that was our lightning round uh, segment. Let us know what you thought of it. If you like it as an addition, if you have things that you don't think that would take up a full episode for us that you want to hear us cover on a lightning round, let us know. We're happy to add them into the rotation. And we're so excited to have something new to add for this, our 100th episode celebration. Um, Should we do 10 seconds on what we like most about podcasting? You, Katie, that's what I like most about podcasting. That's what I was going to say, too. Shut (laughs) up. (laughs) I mean, not me, you. I mean... Oh, shoot. I did that wrong. No, but just, I mean, I think especially because we have been in a pandemic for almost a whole year, it's nice to have this routine, something that gets you up in the morning. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And this biweekly conversation that we have, it's great. Were it not for the podcast, I would be way more freaked out about screen time, especially during the pandemic. I love having... A sounding board to talk out my feelings about what the kids are watching. It's definitely yeah. a plus. So thank you for spending time with me every couple of weeks. <laughs> and thank you, listeners. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this very special 100th 
100th episode that was actually our 101st episode (laughs) of It's My Screen Time 2. We'll be back to normal for episode 102 in two weeks. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even on Gmail at myscreentime2. Please send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye.